Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So I was I was not on my on my game there just just a moment ago because I'm trying to reassemble the packaging from the, uh, the headphones that I acquired recently. Oh, are those the ones you're wearing now? No, no. These are the the ones I'm wearing now are the same ones that I have been for uh, a while. These are these are my recording headphones, my monitor headphones. Uh, but no, recently when uh, and let me preface this by saying this is not a paid promotion, but it could be. But it uh, could be. <laughs> recently, uh, when acquiring uh, the pre-order for Ellen's new phone, the, the Google Pixel Six, uh, they they sent me a follow-up email with an offer to get a free pair of the Pixel Buds Series A. Oh right, and. Given that I've, I had the original Pixel Bugs for Pixel Buds for a while, and uh, you know they're okay. Uh, I, I don't the the audio quality was fine. Uh, the comfort level was it was all right. Uh, the biggest problem I had is that they were you know, kind of a pain in the ass to keep charged up and paired. Um, like it was really hard to know for sure like when the actual like when the battery was dead in the buds themselves versus in the case and what the difference was and how one charges the other. Basically. Just a pain in my ass all around, uh, and so I kind of stopped using them after a while. But I've been intrigued in these, in the, like the the true wireless earbuds with the uh, the case that actually like reports its battery level to the phone, all these things, whatnot. Uh, I've used them exactly once because I got them. I think I got them Friday. I think they came in the mail on Friday. It was like, oh hey, surprise! Um, so I, I put them in yesterday when I, I took a quick walk to the. Uh, no, it couldn't have been yesterday because yesterday was was Christmas. So it must yesterday been, was Christmas. Yeah, it was. So I must have gotten them on Thursday, and uh, I used them Friday when I took a quick walk to the grocery store to get some last minute supplies uh, for dinner and whatnot. And uh, they're nice, good sound yeah. quality. Uh, in the short time that I, I wore them, they they were very comfortable. Um, they just popped right in my ears, no problem. Uh, paired like a dream. Uh, it was wild, and yeah, the the reporting the the battery status back both to you know for each individual earphone and the case uh, is uh, is really nice, really helpful. Huh. So uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, yeah, you know I uh, uh, I'm a fan of wireless uh, earbuds for for casual things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but uh, you know I uh, you know good old over ear. 
Oh yeah. Sound canceling whatever's work for for this podcasting thing that we're doing. Oh yeah, for for recording I would rely on nothing but a a wired set of headphones. And honestly, like when it just comes to just like casually sitting at my computer or like when when we're gaming and I I uh, run the headset through my um through my controller, which is a cool function that that has. Uh, wired is just absolutely the way to go, but uh, it is hella convenient to just have a pair of earbuds you can throw in to, to I don't know, leave the house. Yeah. I was going to say to go places, but like... Who does that? Who the fuck goes places anymore? Who the fuck goes places anymore? I sure don't. Yeah. You know, uh, to completely change subject, um, oh. Caleb, did you know... That I have the word apocalypse tattooed on me? I don't think I did know that. Yeah, so I have the word apocalypse tattooed across my chest. Amazing. Uh, I mean, it's small, but it's it's across my chest. Um, and I also have uh, the X-Men villain uh, character's real name, and Sabanor, tattooed oh, on me as well. shit. Yeah, you do. Uh, because <laughs> he, he uh, you know, and Sabanor uh, trans- roughly translates to the first or the firstborn. Um, and mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's not necessarily meant as like the firstborn, but it's like the first of, the first to do a thing or the first of a thing, not necessarily like I'm the firstborn kid. It's like I'm, I am the first. Um, so, you know, one apocalypse is my, uh, is, uh, you know, hands down one of my favorite X-Men vill- or Marvel villains, I should say, yeah, yeah, um, of all time. I, I had many of his series, including one where he fights Dracula, That's uh, which badass. is pretty fucking badass. Yeah. He, it's uh, one where he just fucking time travels. He, he doctor who style time travels in his pyramid all over the place and ends up running into Dracula and just beating the shit out of him. And I think that's great. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that's pretty funny. Uh, and then there's a bunch, you know, obviously, you know, Days of Future Past and and there's a bunch of other uh, Apocalypse series. But I really love Apocalypse. And, uh, you know, because of that and out of no other worldly reason or mm. thing that's going on in the world, I was hmm. like, we should hmm. do an Apocalypse-themed uh, month. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> for for no reason whatsoever. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, uh, that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, And I'm an extinction-level Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're keeping it in, in the week tradition, I guess, I guess not really tradition, but um, much like last week, this week we're actually going to cover a movie that you likely have heard of, um, mm-hmm. possibly, mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the name of the movie is called Don't Look Up. Which I, I appreciate that you acknowledge that it's a movie that our listeners may or may not have heard of, because when you first mentioned it to me, I had not yet heard of it, and uh, it turns out it, I think it had been literally released that day. Yeah, yeah, it came out. So this movie came out on Christmas Eve, uh, December twenty fourth, uh, and uh, you know it it had gotten some hype. Uh, because this is a star-studded movie. This is an absurdly cast movie. Yes. Just, so, just I mean, absurd. I mean, first off, you know, the first four names I'm going to name, you're going to be like, holy shit. Leonardo DiCaprio, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Meryl Streep. Yes. Kate Blanchett. Uh-huh. Like, you cannot get any better than that. That is four blondes, and only one of them, I think, is uh, smart. So, uh, four, actually, four that's not true. Four blondes in a funeral. Wait. 
That's not actually not true. I think about <laughs> three of them are smarter. Maybe one of them, not so much. Um, who knows? Uh, but you got Jonah Hill. Yes. Uh, you've got Tyler Perry. Uh-huh. You've got Timothy Chalamet. You who got, is fucking blowing up right who now? Is, he this is kid is all everywhere. over the place. Yeah. Um, Ariana Grande, Kid Cudi, out of nowhere. Ron Perlman, who has the smallest part in this movie and is probably the best character. <laughs> it's the fucking role of a lifetime for it's, him. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, oddly enough, I think makes a callback to another apocalyptic movie called Wandering Earth. I'm so glad you caught that. <laughs> cool. I'm glad you saw that too. We'll talk about that in a bit. I mean, but uh-huh. you know, there's a lot of really, I mean, there is a lot of really good uh, people in this movie, including a cameo from Chris Evans. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought that was him. Oh, yeah. so glad yep. it was him. Uh, also, Mark Rylance, uh basically playing the same character he played in Ready Player One, but like more realistic. More realistic, yeah. <laughs> Which is also really funny. Um, yeah, and and this movie was written by uh, written and directed by Adam McKay, um, who uh, you know, if you are a fan of Will Ferrell type movies, or if you were anywhere in the early two thousands, you are very familiar with Adam McKay. Um, you know, obviously he was the producer and writer for the other guys. Um, he was uh, wrote the screenplay for The Big Short. He does uh, Succession. Um, but I mean, of course, he's he's also mainly famous for things like Eurovision. Um, uh, Anchorman, uh, I mean, like every Will Ferrell movie that came out in the mid 2000s and past is is him up until they actually had a falling out. Did you know that? I, I did not know that, but yeah. uh, I, I will also point out the astonishing relevance of the fact that he was executive producer on the uh, QAnon docuseries that came out recently, Into the Storm. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> that is that is great. Um, uh, yeah, so... no. Uh, uh, this is like a weird Hollywood gossip thing, but apparently uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell were like best friends okay. and uh, they had a falling out because I guess Adam McKay like undercut Will on on a movie and then like, like a pay wise and then like kind of shut him out. And I think it was for the sequel to Elf maybe um, that pretty much he was like, no, I'm never doing that. And, uh, whatever it was, but, uh, in, they had a falling out, but now Adam McKay has, you know, publicly spoken about like how he feels really bad and, you know, it wasn't the right call and I and bet whatever. it was daddy's home too, because that looks like the last Will Ferrell movie that he did in 2017. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was yeah. the one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, something. Anyways. Also in a connection to, uh, one of our other shows, uh, apparently executive producer of, uh, the Chris Gethard show. And of course, if you listen to our other podcast, Left of the Dial, you know that we uh, had Chris on as a guest and our, our co-host, Andrea, uh, who joins periodically for the show, uh, is uh, closely associated with with Gethard's organization. So that's kind of a neat little tie-in here. Oh, that is a little, yeah. That's a fun little degree of separation. Yeah. Um, for it. So uh, if we haven't mentioned it yet, so Don't Look Up is available on Netflix. Um, and if you haven't watched it yet, we are about to spoil the whole movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to do that. So take that to note. Um, uh, so let's let's kick right in. So the movie uh, basically centers around Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. Leonardo DiCaprio plays Dr. Randall Mindy, and Jennifer mm-hmm. Lawrence plays uh, Kate um, uh, Dibiaski. Dibiaski, mm-hmm. right? Dibiaski, yep. Yep. I, I remember I, I kept thinking, like, it sounded like Dibiaski, which, of course, we know is the million-dollar man, Ted Dibiaski. Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, or that's a six million dollar man. Yeah. That was a different one. I was making those are the, very different things. It was very different things. Yeah. Um, so basically what happens is uh Kate Dibioski is a PhD candidate at the University of Michigan, and she makes a discovery that there is a gigantic comet um uh basically flying through the sky, and she gets super excited about it. And so, uh, you know, it's it's a brand new comet, one that's, you know, never uh, never seen before, never heard of it. They never um, heard of it before. <laughs> and so she calls her colleague and uh, professor, Dr. Randall, Min uh, Dr. Randall Mindy, Leonardo mm -hmm. DiCaprio, to come and basically confirm it. Because in science, uh, and it's brought up multiple times in this movie, there's ah, the subject of peer it. review and the scientific method of, you know, you replicate it as many times as possible just to make sure. And if it keeps coming to the same, you know, conclusion, then that's like the conclusion. You send it to other people uh, with no information whatsoever so that they can also replicate it and peer review your work to make sure that you, um, to make sure that it works. And this is, this is something that, you know, the science community, believe it or not, the science community does actually do and any credible scientist uh, does this. And that's really important to, to look at peer reviewed uh, materials when it comes to uh, anything science related. It doesn't matter whether it's, astrophysics or, you know, uh, viral related or, you know, just a fucking new species of frog. It does not matter. Hmm. You, you do, you do, you do your due diligence, right? I'm not, I'm not sure what you could be referencing here. No clue. Uh, <laughs> it's, these are vague, um, condescensions. So, um, <laughs> So of course, you know, uh, you know, he he goes through and he he does, you know, he does all the, you know, tries to replicate and he's like, yep, this is this 100% is a comet. It's not on a known path of any comets that we have. This is a brand new comet. And they're like, all right, let's, you know, figure it out. Like, why haven't we seen it before? Let's do the math. And his thing is, is kind of uh, his math based is basically figuring these sort of things out. He, uh, I forgot what exactly, um, what exactly he says he does, but basically his job is to like, or what he is known for and what his specialty is, is like monitoring, uh, the amount of, um, chemicals that are expunged in dark holes or something or supernovas start uh, stars exploding or something. Something like that. Like none of them, like, or I should say neither of them in this case, uh, um, Kate or Randall are, you know, specialists necessarily in comets. Uh, Randall has a, a special focus in observing some sort of astronomical phenomenon that he, yeah, I love it. At, some, at one point he makes a point like, I haven't published in a while, so you might not have heard of me. Yeah. While Kate in the background <laughs> is like, is that really the most important thing right now? <laughs> um, but he, he uses some established uh, mathematical principles to uh, measure the, uh, what they know from the shots of the comet that they have gotten from their telescope, because you actually see Kate at one point, like go back back in time, essentially on their their giant Microsoft touchscreen, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was finally a um, a practical use shown on film of like actual technology at work, mm -hmm. and not uh, just like they didn't like like fucking Tony Stark it with like throwing images and holograms around in the air. It was actually just a fucking Windows computer with a touchscreen. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, she was tapping back along the trajectory of the, the comet to see like where had, it had been. So they were actually able to see that this thing is moving. Uh, and so they, they used the math of like what they know of like how, um, how large it is, how fast it was going, the angle that it was moving and so forth. Uh, he mentions the, I believe it was the Gauss method, which, uh, 
just makes me like I don't know if it's at all connected, and now I want to know if it if it has something to do with the the uh, the Photoshop filter of a, a Gaussian blur. No, <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Um, but anyway, he uh, uses the the technique to uh, determine like how uh, how quickly it's moving and like. Uh, what its approach towards Earth is going to look like? Because they're like, oh, how how close is this thing going to come? Uh, like, are we going to be able to see it, sort of thing? Yeah, and uh, uh, to to their uh, shock and horror, um, they determined that it uh, actually someone was like, why does the number keep getting smaller in reference to the number of how far away from Earth it is? Yeah, uh, and they were like, oh, oh, oh no, <laughs> uh, it is. <laughs> It is gonna hit Earth. <laughs> he reaches a point where, like, in that column, because we see in like map out like multiple uh, path and uh, multiple steps along this comet's path. And at one point in that distance to Earth, he writes a zero and then stops and he's like, erases it and like starts <laughs> to think through the math again. And then he's just like, you know what, you know, kids, it's getting kind of late. Maybe we should figure this out tomorrow. Kate, you stay. <laughs> Right. And that's where they basically, uh, you know, outright say, like, this is going to hit Earth. And if this hit, you know, the the size of it, uh, you know, at the beginning, the size is estimated anywhere between five and 10 kilometers mm-hmm. uh, wide, which, uh, you know, we uh, they reference the the uh, very famous um, Chilixalub uh, asteroid, uh, which is the one that is uh, the estimated size of that asteroid was about 10 kilometers wide, and it resulted in 75% of all life on the planet dying. It is known mm-hmm. as the dinosaur killer. It is the asteroid that killed uh, the dinosaurs mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and left a, a crater about hundred, about 93 miles in diameter which is uh, and 12 miles deep, which is insane. And uh, if you're not uh, metric-focused uh, like those of us here in the U.S. Uh, tend to not be, uh, that's a little over six miles is is what ten kilometers uh, equals. So like six point two one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera miles. Uh, so if that gives you a frame of reference, it's a very big, this is a very very big piece of space rock. This is a big fucking guy. It would take you like you know ten to fifteen minutes by car to drive from one end to the other. Uh, you know, with traffic because uh, there's probably a lot of traffic. <laughs> there's on the definitely comet. traffic. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, Come on, I'm trying to drive. There's space uh, dust everywhere. We should have took the Subaru. Just had this washed. <laughs> I'm never getting this out. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I, I can't resell this. Uh, so, uh, so of course, they they immediately are like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And so, um, you know, uh, Dr. Mindy decides to call a colleague of his um, who is uh, Dr. Oglethorpe, um, who is played by Rob Morgan. Um, Rob Morgan, uh, you know, he's been in a lot of things, but I would say the two most recognizable things for me, um, he is Officer Powell on Stranger Things, and he is yeah. also Turk in uh, Daredevil. Uh, um, he is. Which well, it was only for a season, him. but uh, yeah, he, he was Turk, uh, Turk Barrett on Daredevil. Um, very, uh, very relevant right now, Daredevil. Which, uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I would say Turk uh, made an appearance across, I think, all, yeah, he was in all of the Defenders shows, uh, oh. except except possibly the Defenders itself. Which is uh, peculiar. Yeah. Yeah, because he was, he was in uh, Punisher, he was in Iron Fist, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones as well. That's this spectacular. Like he, he had the, the most appearances probably in Daredevil, uh, and then su- surprisingly didn't, uh, didn't come up for the, 
the ensemble. Yeah. But, uh, Which, so that was like Rosario Dawson was the same thing where she shows up in every yeah. um, uh, episode uh, or every uh, series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Great character too. Yeah. So, uh, so they call up Dr. Oglethorpe who, uh, currently works for NASA and, um, you know, pretty much they, they were like, Hey man, check this out. Tell us what you see. And of course he, he goes through all the math and is like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And uh, he immediately calls them. We're like, uh, and they're like, I know like, dude, 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 dude. <laughs> Dude. Dude. Um, and, uh, of course, you know, so he immediately uh, flies out. The three of them get together. He pulls his contacts, and they end up having a meeting with uh, the, or attempting to have a meeting with the current president of the United States. Quick in-the-moment retraction, he was in the Defenders. I just oh, didn't he scroll was. down far Oh, enough. nice. Oh, yeah. good, good. So he he uh, he danced across all five Marvel he Netflix got, shows. He Six. got uh, all of them, yeah. Yeah, because there's five, and then Defenders. Because Punisher, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, and then the Defenders, so six. Have to all now be canon, right? Since two characters have uh, have made their appearance, and there's room for more? So, I, from my understanding, and I think that is what uh, Kevin Feige has gone on record as saying, that now that these these Marvel things are now, that were in, are in fact canon. Um, and yes. uh, the also the assumption is, is that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is also now considered, was not, but is now considered canon. I have a little bit of issues with that one, just because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., one, once they established that they weren't canon, just kind of went off in a fucking crazy direction, and like I, I couldn't really follow it anymore. But and, you could argue that they jumped across uh, multi-universes, because they do, in fact, do dimension shifting and stuff like that. So they very much could have shifted off into another world where Inhumans existed and blah, blah, and then jumped back. So They, they, uh, they encounter the brood, don't they? They do, yeah. Oh my god, I still have to finish watching. I didn't, I didn't watch like the last season and a half or something like that. And yeah, uh, I need to finish because the Brood is one of my favorite Marvel villains. Yeah, I they, uh, yeah, they encounter the Brood. Let's. I also did really (laughs) (laughs) without Uh, spoilers. That's that. With that's that. I also did really like how they uh, how they brought in uh, Ghost Rider. Yeah. Which yeah, I think I think Ghost Rider works really well at that kind of smaller scale storytelling that uh, the the TV shows do. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Ghost Rider would be a really good like Disney Plus type show and just leave it that like he doesn't have to ever be in the movies. You know, mm-hmm. maybe he makes a cameo in the Blade movie or something just for the fuck of it. But like, or just shows up just... like Wolverine has to fight him at some point, right? I feel like Wolverine's fought everyone at some point. Yeah. If I was Wolverine, I probably would too. Just because of like, what? It's not like you're going to fucking kill me. Like, let's, let's, you know, let's tussle a little bit. Wolverine's just good. Just like, that's just a, a Tuesday workout for him. He's like, right. I'm just going to go take on the Hulk today. Yeah. And then I'm going to go get fucking trashed, smoke a big cigar and, you know, and then fly off to Japan and fight a bunch of fucking ninjas. Cause that's what I do. What do you like? What are you going to do? You're going to stop me. You aren't. So shut the you're, fuck up. <laughs> just straight up. Not <laughs> right. Like you can fuck around. You'll find out. Bub. Uh, yeah. So, 
So anyway, so they finally get their meeting with the president and uh, the president is played by uh, the, the, you know, as Leonardo DiCaprio called her uh, uh, Hollywood royalty, Meryl Streep, uh, mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. plays uh, President Orlean. And uh, she has her uh, son as the chief of staff and her uh, chief of staff is played by Jonah Hill, uh, who Jesus plays uh, as Jason Orlean. Um, yep. And they are both absolutely brilliant in this movie um and yeah they are exactly who you think they're supposed to be oh i hate them so much yeah I I, so, so it, much. It, i've never wanted to tell jonah hill to shut the fuck up to show so so right if he does is so good he um uh, and and jonah hill actually described his character as what if fire festival was a person and i think that is exactly <laughs> He, I think that's like a perfect explanation. Uh, and then also uh, Meryl Streep uh, told the the uh, makeup and, and hair department that she wanted her hair to look uh, um, Republican and ugly. Uh, and I just think like, <laughs> that's brilliant. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, this is a little bit of a spoiler and jumping ahead. Uh, but Leonardo DiCaprio, I guess, had a very, very big uh, problem with one of the very last scenes of the movie. Uh, in which uh, we see Meryl Streep naked. It's a body double, but nonetheless, uh, you know, we, we see Meryl Streep naked and uh, the character has a tramp stamp and a tattoo on her lower back. And Leonardo DiCaprio is like, look, I know it's a body double, but like, this is Meryl Streep. Like, you can't, <laughs> even though her character would, like, you can't do that to Meryl Streep, but I guess it, it passed anyways. <laughs> uh, but I think that's really funny of Leo being like, Wait a minute. This is fucking Meryl Streep we're talking about here. Like, you can't do that to her. So at least we know there's one woman Leo respects. Hey! hey got him! <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, honestly, th there's a part of me that feels... I hesitate to say relieved, but feels slightly better knowing that that was a, a body double. Because, just you know, when I woke up today, like, seeing Meryl Streep's ass was not on my, my to-do list. And... I don't mean that as in, like, I don't want to see it, uh, more as in just, like, wasn't expecting it and really kind of threw me off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, the whole last scene. So, so that being said, uh, in terms of, uh, content warnings, um, this is an R rated film. There is a lot of swearing, there's drug uh -huh. use. Um, there is, I'm going to do an eight ball. I'm going to do an eight ball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Um, uh, you know, there's drug use. There's uh, a couple of references of sex, but it's very vague. Uh, and then in the very end of the movie, we see a large group of people, um, completely nude. It is in a non-sexual setting, um, but they are wandering around and it is full frontal nudity for both male and female. Um, uh, there, um, and it's done almost in a comedic value too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like almost like seeing like a, a nude beach scene or something like that. But there, yeah. so they they spent a shit ton of money on payroll for for this movie. Obviously, uh, yeah. very very expensive casting. Uh, so that means there's also a fuck ton of stock uh, images uh, sprinkled throughout. Yep. Uh, and there is one very brief, uh, what appears to be just stock footage of a couple fucking. Yeah, yeah. It's just the only, like sexualized nudity. I mean, it is like, I mean, we're talking under five seconds, um, you know, which is a really long time for, for fucking anyways. Like, <laughs> I mean, who's got that kind of time, you know? <laughs> right, right. That's, that's long, right? <laughs> uh, anyways, 
so uh, so as the movie, you know, uh, so they finally get to the president and they're there. And this is probably one of the most subtle like jokes and it and it's brought back up later in the movie and i this is just uh, you know i i really appreciate adam mckay because he can balance both the just absolutely absurd you know like humor where it's like this is a joke like i set you up punchline you know like set up punchline and mm-hmm. then there's the other ones that are super subtle and when you think about them and nobody makes a big deal about it maybe maybe somebody will say it in passing and you're like that's actually a really smart joke and this is really fucking funny. So uh, Dr. Oglethorpe, uh, uh, Kate DiBiaschi, and Dr. Mindy are all waiting to see the president. And they are with uh, the head of the Pentagon and one of the generals um, who was there with them. And he was like, oh, do you guys want some snacks? I'll get some snacks. And he's like, yeah. He goes off and gets them a bunch of snacks. And he's like, yeah, here you go. And he's like, oh, how much are you? And he's like, oh, it was like, I don't know, 20 bucks. So he gives him 20 and he gives it to Oglethorpe. And Oglethorpe's like, all I have is a 20. Do you have change? And he goes, I don't. And he's like, you're kidding me right now? And so he gives him the $20 and the general takes the money, hands him all the snacks and they're hanging out for a bit. And then he gets a phone call and he's like, oh, well, I got to go off to, you know, Japan. I got to go do this thing. All right, I'll see you guys later. You know, you'll you'll be fine. Talk to the president. And they're like, wow, wow. And so at this point, they do in fact get to talk to the president. But after that is all done, um, they're ushered back into a room and uh, they're waiting again. And and Kate, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, goes to get some snacks again because they've been waiting a long time. And uh, <laughs> so she's going to the area where all the snacks are and there's another employee just kind of sitting there eating her lunch or whatever. And she's like, oh, where do I pay for these? She's like, what? They're free. She's like, what? She's like, they're free. This is the White House. All the <laughs> snacks are free. And she was like, Wait, what? And so she goes back and she was like, but why did the general charge us money for the snacks? And it's such a subtle joke. And then like an hour later, she's sitting there and like the world is like, you know, it's like 10 days left until this comet crashes. And she was like, I just, I just been thinking about it. Like, why would the general charge us for these snacks? I just love that she's so obsessed with it. Like so, like the elapsed time of this movie is roughly six and a half months. Uh, in fact, they when they first identify the comet, they do the math and they say we have exactly six months, fourteen days. To the point where Kate uh, uses like a, a diet tracking app, it sets the uh, the time of impact as or the you know, the end of her diet, uh, so that she can she can track it, which is a, a really interesting running joke that they, they use this. Um, so like she knows like. Uh, like at a glance exactly how long they have left and she references it a couple times but she's so stuck on this that it's like two or three times spread out over the course of six and a half months she's just like I just, you know the snacks were free though like why did he try and she'd be like talking to people they'd be like so the world, the world is really gonna end she'd be like yeah but anyway so this general was <laughs> <laughs> and it's just you know I feel like the, there's a lot that hits really like really real about this movie and honestly that's one of the things i I wouldn't be able to let that go either no why why did he fucking charge me why did he charge i don't understand so so the the trio finally get to talk to the uh president and they come in and so the chief of staff uh uh jonah hill jason arlene um brings him in and he's just a fucking douche. He is a total tool. But I mean like it's he plays this character so perfectly. 
and you know, first he's in there and he's like, all right, hey, you know, and and of course they they ask Dr. Mindy, who is kind of like, you know, has de facto become the the head of this sort of discovery because Kate Dibioski, um, although she made the discovery because she's only a PhD candidate. You know, and Dr. Mindy has, you know, has an established sort of reputation. And even Dr. Oglethorpe, who I would say is is arguably more uh, qualified to be the person to running this, um, kind of passes it off to Dr. Mindy, who, of course, is super nervous. And he's like, okay, well, um, and he's stumbling through it. And Jonah Hill's just being an absolute dick to him yeah. this whole time. Like, You're breathing weird, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Anyway, so uh, continue on. What are, you, what are you talking about? So eventually, uh, you know, Kate chimes in and jumps up and was like, look, there is an asteroid 10 kilometers wide. In six months, it is going to smash into Earth, and we're all going to die. We, everybody's going to die because this is going to happen. And they're just like how long? Six months? And she's like, hmm, the president, when are midterms? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's not good timing and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, hmm, yeah, okay. And they're being so like, like they didn't just hear that the world is about to end. In fact, they're just so wrapped up in, in what are the optics of this? Like mm -hmm. that is, that is the thing. Now, obviously, okay. I'm going to say this as an obvious, I feel like this is an obvious this, you know, and and in knowing that Adam McKay was the producer for that uh, QAnon documentary, obviously this is this is uh, commentary on um, the past presidency. You know, uh, recent news we've just learned that uh, in in December of 2020 they tried to kill an entire study um, about uh, COVID because they mm -hmm. knew that it was tanking their poll numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's multiple uh, forms of evidence that show that the former um, uh, uh, administration tried to bury evidence that showed how deadly uh, coronavirus actually was and so on and so forth. You know, uh, Dr. Burks, uh, there's a whole bunch of things with her, you know, where she's sending emails basically being like, hi, they're going to lie to you and say this is really bad it's really that it's not really bad. It is really bad, but I'm just going to shut up and ride this out, you know, and hope that he doesn't win re-election. Like that is almost word for word <coughs> what Dr. Burke says, who was one of the head of, you know, medical for, um, for the Trump administration. But anyways, removing that specific aspect out of it, this is obviously commentary on all of that and the whole idea of anti-science and mm -hmm. stuff. And the whole idea of don't look up is it ends up being the catchphrase when they're like, don't look up, don't look at the comet, don't think about it. Like it's, you know, it's, it's fear propaganda. Like it is, you know, it's not really happening. And there is a really great moment where they're at this big rally and, you know, they're chanting, don't look up. And some guy looks up and you see this giant fucking comet. And he's like, what the hell? It's right there. Yeah. They were lying to us the whole time. It's right there. And of course they all go against them and stuff. And it was just, it was a great moment. Still waiting for that real life moment, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it was a fantastic. It's it's just it was it's a really. We'll go into more detail about it, but this movie was very good. Unfortunately, about showing like this really weird, you know, anti intellectual, anti science stance that that people fall into because you know they don't. For whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know the the psychology behind it, but it was it was really it, that. I think 
I think that is what set me off the most about this movie is the fact that I was like, this is what would happen is like, we would have a very obvious end of world threat and there'd be people being like, the sky isn't falling, you know? Yeah. Or the sky is falling. It, so the, the, I was not prepared for, uh, how this movie was going to hit me, uh, you know, holidays and whatnot and, and, and dealing with that. And then, Sitting down to watch uh, what what should be a, a fun and star-studded uh, disaster movie, only to realize that one not only is a collision with a, an object from the cosmos more, probably our most likely extinction event, just yeah. because there is so much out there and it has happened before, uh, and all of this will happen again. Uh, <laughs> but also. Aww. This was a, just a bit too on the nose with how people are, are likely to react, uh, as you said, given the, the stance of anti-intellectualism, anti anti-science, and anti-just believing the evidence of your own goddamn senses uh, and somehow things that should be you know, super straightforward, uh, like survival become political somehow. And it's just, it's, it's just a, a theater of absurdity. And this movie captured it entirely too well, uh, which is to say like, uh, on the one hand, kudos to the, the team that made this movie because you fucking nailed it. But on the other hand, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> you know, for real, I, uh, there's also another really great line, uh, that Jennifer Lawrence says, um, later when she does end up meeting Timothy Chalamet, you know, she, she's in a group of, of young, youngsters, uh, uh who are all about and they're, yeah, the youths and, uh, they're all, you know, sort of theorizing and all the crazy things that are happening in the re you know, like government conspiracy type things. And uh, they were like, I bet it's really because of this. And, you know, I, I'm not going to get the quote exact, but, you know, Jennifer Lawrence says something to the effect of like, they're far more evil and way more stupid than you are giving them credit for. Oh, yeah. And I just think that is absolutely amazing. Like, it is a great line because it is it is exactly that. It's like, they're way stupider than you think to be, or it's way, they're, they're way stupider than you think to be that evil. Um uh and that's the thing, like people come up with these like wild and crazy conspiracy theories about what the government is or isn't doing uh, and how like you know, like there's hidden groups of people who are secretly controlling the whole world and blah, blah, blah. When like the people who have all the power are doing it right out in the open. They're not hiding shit. And like you're like you're specifically selecting them and granting them the power to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I say so you're as like the collective you, us, all of us. <laughs> yeah. like the, there's no secret it's yeah. right there it's literally right there. yeah so the exact uh, line is you guys the truth is way more depressing they're not even smart enough to be as evil as you're giving them credit for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um it's, great great line they it, it like is literally about like, like you said the optics it's about like how can they they monetize i mean literally becomes in this movie about like how can they monetize this uh how can they they use it to to win the elections all of the things that these people care about that is 100% not the safety and survival of the of the people. So in first meeting with uh, Dr. Mindy, Dr. Oglethorpe, and uh, Kate DiBiaschi, uh, the president and the chief of staff essentially just dismiss them and are like, well, yeah, that's great, okay, bye, bye, bye. You know, but, you know, obviously super secret, classified, don't talk to anyone, and peace out. And they get booted out and they were like, we like, they're not going to do anything like we need to do something to save the world. So they go off and they actually, uh, um, 
tell their story to uh, a New York Times esque uh, uh, website, you know, newspaper, and then end up going on a uh, a talk show similar to like a uh, Good Morning That's, America talk show. It's very much a Kelly and Michael uh, it ripoff. Is exactly. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's Tyler Perry and Kate Blanchett. Every, which I didn't realize that was Kate Blanchett at first, uh, which she's, she's really great in this role. Yes. Um, as is Tyler Perry. Uh, everything in this movie is just ever so slightly realistic enough. Like Kate at one point goes, get, goes and gets a job at Drinkmo, which is very obviously Bevmo, which is a, a chain of like, think of like a Costco, but for beverages, uh, specifically like liquor and stuff like that on the West Coast. Uh, they reference the the restaurant chain Burger Crown uh, yep. a, as well as it's like um, like Bubby Mondo's shrimp or something like that, which yeah. is like... Or the Bubba uh, Gump, know, yeah. You know, basically Bubba Gump. So, like, everything is just ever so slight. So, the New York Herald is very much supposed to be the New York Times. The Rip, or the Daily Rip, or whatever, is Michael and Kelly. Or Mike Kelly and Michael Kelly Ripper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, and then uh, the big tech company is Bash, um, who is, uh, I, I would say, it was kind of like an amalgamation between like Apple and Tesla. Like, it felt very. Elon Musk slash Steve Jobs with a little bit of Zuckerberg thrown in for, with for a good little, measure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there was I mean, there was that sort of like awkward roboticness that felt very Zuckerberg. There was like so Bash is basically like the the tech CEO's like dream of uh, vertical integration. I mean they they owned the the cell phone provider. They made the hardware. They made the operating system. They owned the algorithms. They they did all of yep. these things and used that to fund the, as you mentioned, the very Musk esque uh, space dreams. Yeah, yeah, which happened uh, later throughout the movie. But we do get many instances of uh, of seeing Bash and Bash Mobile and Bash phones uh, throughout the movie that eventually lead up to uh, what we see. Um, um, by the way, and, and uh, uh, Peter Isherwell is played by Mark Rylance, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. who uh, has has been in a lot of things. Uh, he was uh, the BFG uh, in the movie The BFG. Oh, yeah. um, he's Mr. Dawson in Dunkirk. Um, uh, what else? I mean, he's, he's he was Halliday uh, in Red Player, yeah, Ready Player, Ready Player One, Player One. Again, yep. The the awkward tech CEO. He just like if you've seen that movie and not this one. Just take him, like, cut his hair more like, quote-unquote, professional, uh, and make him even more awkward, but, like, actively running a, like, evil megacorp. Boom. Yeah. I mean, it it, it was pretty spot on. Um, And actually, uh, fun fact, but Chris Evans was originally going to play uh, the tech CEO, um, but Mark Rylance ended, they ended up swapping Mark Rylance ended up being in and Chris ended up taking the cameo instead, which I think is a better, uh, a better fit. Yeah, that definitely worked. Yeah, uh, for for both both actors. Yeah, I think I think uh, Chris Evans has a little too much charisma to pull off the roboticness needed for this guy. I mean, he is a really great character actor, though. I will admit, Chris Evans yeah. does a really good job of character acting, but all of his characters are very big personalities. So I feel mm-hmm. like he wouldn't have been able to pull off what was needed for this. Maybe. He I, would we'll absolutely have been able to pull off a more like Musk or. Um, I'm trying to think of like some of the other more like well-known charismatic uh, tech CEOs, more like a, a Musk or a Jobs or something like that. Someone who right. is accustomed to the spotlight and who craves it. Uh, he would have been really great for that. Uh, but for someone who's supposed to be like really like 
introverted and like they don't overtly say it but they heavily imply he's somewhere deep on the spectrum uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. so like i I don't think chris evans would have been good for that um i think rylance actually absolutely fucking nails that performance um but uh i would still i would i would watch a cut of this with chris evans as the as the tech ceo just just to see yeah i would love to see that sort of that sort of character yeah um, so there's a lot of different other plot lines in this. So like Dr. Randall Mindy, uh, first off, you know, he looks like, uh, you know, he, he is told to have been described as a very unsexless, uh, like he's supposed to look like how you would picture an astrophysicist. Like he's, you know, very, you know, uh, classes at 8am sharp, you know, push up the glasses type guy in the beginning of the movie. He makes his first appearance on uh, the Brie and uh, what is it, Brie and Jack show, which yeah. is uh, Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry, and of course, you know, hair and makeup are like, let's do your hair a little bit, let's trim your beard, and blah blah blah. <laughs> and uh, uh, throughout the interview, of course, you know, Brie and Jack have not been briefed on what it is that they're about to learn. They just think this is like cool, fun science fact, like oh, these guys discovered a comet. And that's that, you know, and so that's like, this is their fluff piece at the end of the day. Um, Mm -hmm. And what they learn is that, you know, the uh, the two of them get on there and they start stuttering and, you know, and they're like, uh, look, like, hey, and, you know, uh, Dr. Mindy like explains everything and people are like, oh, so... That's cool. And anyway, so that's a fun little uh, comet fact. And, you know, Kate, who is absolutely freaking the fuck out, yeah. um, who is high on Xanax and and smoking a lot of pot, <laughs> which, by the way, Jennifer Lawrence, fun fact, requested that she actually get high for all of her scenes <laughs> so that she could play her character properly. And I think that's amazing because her character just gets fucking high the whole movie. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't do drugs, but like in this instance, I would. Oh yeah, I <laughs> I needed a little something after watching this movie <laughs> just to uh, settle it because it's woof. yeah, it's there. Um, uh, but anyway, so eventually, Kate's like, "Are you fucking listening to us? Like, swear, like we are all going to fucking die today. Like in six months, we are all fucking dead. You're all fucking mm-hmm. dead." The whole fucking world's over. And they were like, wow. And she storms off because she gets upset. And of course, Dr. Mindy is still there because he's nervous as hell. And mm-hmm. he's like, uh, yeah. So anyways, and of course, the internet being the internet, they turn Kate Dibioski into this negative, you know, screaming crazy woman meme. Mm-hmm. And then everybody starts obsessing with the sexy astrophysicist, Dr. Mindy, who ends mm-hmm. up becoming the sexy doctor. Which is a little bit too on the nose for the the Dr. Fauci stands, which again, people listen to scientists. And you know what? Even like even have crushes on or fall in love with scientists, sure. But like let's <laughs> can we can we not with the sexy scientist meme and can we just can we just pay attention to what they say? There's a huge difference, but a fine line between admiration and idolization, and mm-hmm. there's a large subset of people that do not understand and it becomes this weird obsession. Every time yeah. I hear like, you don't see any Biden flags, but like, yeah, dude, cause he's my fucking employee. Like yeah. just wanted to do like, a job. The like, president is the, is a public servant. Like I, I, I hired him to do a job. 
<laughs> like he's not my fucking king. Like I don't give a shit. Like if Joe Biden were to be like, "Hey, I don't want to do this job anymore," I'd be like, "Okay, we'll find somebody else." I don't fucking care about you. We didn't want you to begin <laughs> right. Like you were already like third choice in terms of Democrats that ran. Like you were barely in top five, my dude. I, you know, just do the fucking job and shut up. I don't care. That's all I want out of a president. I don't want a fucking god king. Like, like did nobody watch? Uh, Game of Thrones and pay attention to the Lannisters because that's <laughs> what that's what this is like. I I want fucking Jon <laughs> Snow you, who's just gonna get up there and do the job properly. I don't want fucking Jamie Lannister. Do you want purges? <laughs> because that's how you get purges. Because that's how you get purges. Yeah. Oh my god. But anyways, <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so you know, and of course the internet explodes, and obviously there's you know there becomes this very like you know, innate chemistry between uh, Dr. Mindy and Bree, who end up off having an affair. And uh, I, I do think it's very funny, though, because, you know, Bree, she is the host of, like, a fluff talk show. Like, the mm -hmm. guest that was on before them was Ariana Grande, but she's Riley Shan or Riley Sean or something like that. And there's, like, this whole... Um, like there's a breakup between her and DJ Cello, who is played by Kid Cudi. And that's like the huge news story that keeps like shadowing out the fact that literally the world is about to end. And like, uh, you know, so like this is the type of stuff. And then eventually, you know, we learn more about Brie and their uh, uh, Brie and Dr. Mindy are sitting in bed. And he's like, yeah, it's weird. I actually don't know anything about you. He's like, every time we go to talk, you just keep telling me your favorite restaurant in New York City. And she's like, oh, <laughs> she's like, I just hate that whole part. She's like, all right, well, let's do it. And then she starts listing off these accomplishments. She's like, I have four master's degrees. Uh, I speak five languages. I come from an insane amount of money. And he's like, uh, last year my dog died and, uh, I got a Star Wars poster and I just think it's very funny that like, she actually is a very successful and accomplished woman, but she's the host of this, you know, cheese ball talk show, which I think mm -hmm. was super, uh, super interesting. Um, so <laughs> as, as we get, we get close to time, I, I have to point out to you that there's a couple of like meta things that I that I tested out during this movie. Uh, so uh, at one point, the character of, uh, let me let me find her, Riley Bina, uh, played by Ariana Grande, uh, <clears throat> they do a whole, like, oh, my God, it's like the celebrities sing for coronavirus or yep. AIDS or, like, you name a cause and celebrities sing for it kind of concert bullshit uh, that the... The, the banner reads like absolutely the last benefit concert ever on earth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which uh, is great. So she's performing this song uh, that's like oh, you can the their their anthem for this just look up movement, which is basically, you know, just the you know, you you like listen to us, yes, but also like you know, as we said earlier in the in the episode, like follow the the evidence of your own senses. Just look up. The comment's right there. Yeah. And this is after it's gotten close enough that you can actually see it with the, the naked eye. And that's the the whole message is like, just look up. Uh, so <clears throat> she performs this song with with Kid Cootie. Uh, and uh, I looked down at my phone briefly and uh, the, the Google Pixel phones have a like active listening feature that will like identify songs that are playing in the in the background, kind of like, like an active Shazam. Yeah. Or, or like, I guess like a passive Shazam. I don't know. Just passive Shazam. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, I looked down and I saw that my phone said, just look up by Ariana Grande. I was like, no fucking way. So I tried to screenshot it, but it can't screenshot from the notifications. Uh, so I did Shazam it so that I can show you. Uh, that's a real song. <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. And uh, the I think the meta thing you're talking about is later uh, we see Dr. Mindy's kids uh, who, I mean, they're adults are in their twenties at this point and they're sitting there listening. And he was like, he was like, Oh, this is, this is crazy. He's like, uh, my phone just downloaded this thing without my permission. Now this is the other meta thing. They post a phone number, like call this number for, you know, to to talk to one of our scientists, you know, to get comfort about the the issue or whatever. It's a fucking like, if you are over 50, I got to pick a number here. Now, just for calling today, you have qualified to receive free roadside assistance. It's a Your fucking scam number. <laughs> they put it in the movie, and I don't think they even paid attention to the fact that it's a real scam number. Oh, my I, God. I was hoping that it was going to be like an Easter egg and that it would be like, thanks for calling the Just Look Up support line. But yeah, no, it's that a is real thing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Uh, oh my God, that but is so fun. There's so the, many like really great subtle things like that throughout this movie that I think are pretty fantastic, which, which by the way, this is actually a pretty long movie. I think it clocks in at two and a half, uh, two, two hours, 18 minutes. Yes, it was. So, um, uh, it kind of needed to be to get everything across and I don't know what I would cut to make it shorter. Uh, but for how much anxiety it was giving me, it was entirely too long. <laughs> It was entirely too much. So, so uh, to kind of sum up some of the big moments, so there's there is a lot of like the first time they go to the president, the president dismisses them. They they go to the news, the you know, and then as the news comes out, you know, and people start talking about it, basically nobody believes them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just you know because of how uh, Katie Biaski is shown in that you know Good Morning America type thing, she is the, you know everything is basically just blown off and and delegitimized because of how she reacted because the internet is a thing. Um, but then a huge scandal happens between the president and one of her nominees for Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And so her numbers start tanking and people are like, oh, we're going to impeach her and blah, blah, blah. Like it becomes this whole thing. So then they decide to scoop up uh, the trio again to basically be like, hey, we're going to we're going to run with your thing because we think it would help our poll numbers, which they send the FBI to like very publicly arrest all of these people. Yep. Uh, and they even uh, throw a hood over Kate's head for, for the ride, which you <laughs> sent me the quote from them. Like, unless you fuckers are taking me to the Batcave, <laughs> fuck you for putting this hood on <laughs> fuck me. Fuck you for putting this hood on me. And of course, uh, Jason Jonah Hill letter says, oh, that, you, did you like that? That was that was me. They, did, they don't normally do the CIA does that. The FBI doesn't. I, I made them do that. I made them do cool that, but only funny. to you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, they make a point of very publicly arresting them only to bring them in and say like, yeah, you were right. And, you know, we should have listened to you. And like, we're going to, we got this, you know, the, this joint effort together and we're going to, we're going to move forward. And Kate's the one that calls them out like, oh, so like you needed a cover story to, to get your numbers back up. And, and the president's, the president's like, she's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, and so they they come up with this big plan where they're gonna, you know, uh, um, uh, Armageddon style, basically blow this thing the fuck up. They're gonna send a million rockets to it that are going to blow this thing up. And so, uh, you know, he, he was like, "Oh, well, well, that's great. We can do that." And she was like, "Yep." Yeah. So we just got to pick the person that's gonna do it. And he's like, "Well, you can't just do this remotely." He's like, "I feel like this is something you would do with a drone." She's like, "No, yeah. we need we need a face to do it." 
America and needs a hero. America needs a hero. And in comes Ron Perlman. <laughs> Ron Perlman as Benedict Drask. Oh my God. This is, I mean, this role, I mean, first off, you know, Ron Perlman is a very uh, vocal anti-right, uh, you know, very, very uh, hard left person. And he's been very vocal about that. But he plays the most shittiest racist right-wing douchebag like he gets up on the thing and he's like all right let's do this fucking thing and you know when he finally gets up you know flying the rocket he's like yeah look you know looking down at this big blue marble with all the wonderfully working white folk down there (laughs) all the hard-working white folks and like shout out to the indians too both kinds i don't know why you don't get together what are you doing (laughs) like what if you did that he was like and then the gays and they're like hey why don't we uh keep this com line open uh, keep this on mission (laughs) he's like oh okay whatever he's like well i want to thank everyone you know uh you know me doing the sacrifices for you and maybe a couple of duis will disappear on the way (laughs) which i think is great so him and a whole bunch of other missiles are flying up to this asteroid and uh while they're in the briefing room and do this we see the character that we've seen a few times uh we were just talking about uh mark rylance as as peter ishoel the um uh ceo of bash uh, he kind of comes in, he's like, Mr. President, I need to speak to you. And they were like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, how does he just come in? And and we get the joke of like, oh, he is a Platinum Eagle donor. So he gets yes. pretty much all access to anything they want. And they were like, okay. And the rockets are still flying up there. And he's like, Mr. President, or Mrs. President, now. And she's like, uh, okay. And she runs out of the room. You know, they're out of the room for a few minutes. She comes back. And we look up in the sky and all the rockets start making a big old U-turn and diverting and landing back on Earth. And they're like, what the fuck? What is happening? What is happening? And we learn that Bash has basically sent their own sort of uh, probe of this astro of this comet only to learn that it contains a bunch of uh, minerals uh, and material that is very, you know, they, I think they they say it's like almost $140 trillion worth of raw materials that people use to essentially make cell phones and computer chips and stuff like that. And he's like, uh-huh. what if we go and just mine this thing instead? And, and you know, of course, at this point, Dr. Mindy and Kate are like, what the fuck? I mean, they're losing their shit. Like, are you kidding me right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the moment where everybody kind of goes, you know, we have our, our uh, best friends split up moment. You know, Dr. Mindy is sleeping with Bree, you know, having an affair with Bree, you know, all over the place. He's he's, you know, hitting up all these news. Kate is kind of being pushed aside. The The comet is being named after her, but it ends up being a negative connotation because it's literally the comet that's coming to kill us. Mm-hmm. So it's Comet Dibioski. So she's, she's having this sort of isolated moment uh, to which she ends up working at, at BevMo or Drinkmo. Drinkmo. Uh, Drinkmo. Yes. And she meets uh, Timothy Chalamet, whose name is Yule in the movie, <laughs> uh, which I think is great. He's raised by Evangelist. So. Yeah. Especially given that, like, uh, the the movie kind of stealthily released at Christmas time. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. Very fun timing. Um, I, I also do appreciate that. While it feels like most of his his characters recently have been very much like the pretty boy, uh, and like very playing up how uh, almost like elfin. Uh, yep. Timothy Chalamet is. He's just like a total like street punk. Like he's a total dirtbag skater boy. I love it. Beanie, like jacket skater. Like dude, she 
He put your photo on his board, bro. <laughs> right. You, you know what was interesting? I totally was like when, so uh, Yule, Timothy Chalamet, and Jennifer Lawrence end up hooking up. And I was like, oh, I feel like this is really weird. I was like, isn't she like crazy older than him? They are less than six years apart in age. And huh. I was like, ah, <laughs> okay. It's I definitely thought Jennifer Lawrence like was like almost 40 and he was like 18. Yeah. He's 25. She is 31. They are huh. not that far apart in age. <laughs> yeah. I definitely thought she was close to our age and he was like 13 at most. Yeah. I mean, it's just because I feel like Jennifer Lawrence has been around for so long. Like, and he just, like, started becoming a thing in the past, like, two to three years. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Age is weird. Um, so, I apologize to Jennifer Lawrence. That wasn't a knock saying that you look old. It was just that, I think, it's out just, of relevancy, you've been around for a long time, and I thought you were, I thought you were older. We're just accustomed to you being here. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's right. what it is. Yeah. And, I mean, you're in good company here with Leo and Meryl and Kate Etc. Uh, people that we've we've essentially grown up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It, you know, so they end up getting together, and and there's that. But uh, yeah. So at this point, you know, uh, uh, Bash has come up with this idea that they're going to go and they are going to break up the comet into a bunch of little pieces. <sighs> You know, let it crash, and then they're going to go, and they're going to get exclusive rights to mine it. Now, that being said, they have very much acknowledged, and this is like the really like realistic but fucked up part, is they basically acknowledge that it is going to wipe out all of Chile. Like they were like, yeah, it's it's gonna, you know, it's gonna, you know, we're gonna break it up. All the pieces are gonna land off the coast of Chile. It is going to wipe out all of Chile, uh, but we're gonna go and be able to mine mine it, and then we'll leave it at that. And uh, they basically make a deal with with the Chilean government to be like, "Hey, we're we're gonna tsunami the fuck out of your uh, country, your entire sorry country. about your country, sorry about Here's your country. Some money. Here's a shit ton of money." And the Chilean government was like, "Peace, dude. We'll fucking move then." <laughs> um, and of course, there's a jab later about you know somebody, one of the right wing nutters, are like, "Oh, they're letting in all these Chilean illegal immigrants." We're like, "Yeah, dude." They're about to be wiped off the globe. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're not immigrants, illegal immigrants. They are refugees seeking life. Uh-huh. <laughs> there is a very large difference between, you know, I'm hopping the fence to sell drugs and I don't want to become extinct. <laughs> you know, they they really should have just they they should have they should have thought about it in in their own country's elections and elected leaders who would have stopped the the asteroid. Instead of coming here and I expecting mean, us to to give them handouts, this is what they get, I guess. You know. Oh my god, there's there's no way to say it that doesn't sound completely like asinine. No, it's yeah, it's it's a hard swallow. Um, so uh, so yeah, so all of this happens, and finally we get this culminating moment where Bash is like, "All right, we're gonna go and do our thing," and of course, you know, in in true uh, tech bro fashion. Everything fails. Uh, they launch 30 of these drones that are going to go up there and drill and, and separate the thing. Six of them die immediately on impact. You know, a bunch of them fail once they get up to the asteroid. They finally get up to the or to the comet. They finally get up to the comet. They all do their explodey thing, and it literally does nothing because some of them failed. It wasn't in sync. And, you know, the, the comet basically is still coming to Earth and everyone is going to die. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, at this point, the president, you know, calls uh, Dr. Mindy and is like, 
hey, dude, so uh, that failed. And, uh, you know, there's a, we have this rocket ship that is, uh, uh, can hold 2000 people and it is going to basically cryo freeze all of us and, uh, shoot us to the next, uh, Goldilocks planet, basically the, the planet that, that, you know, can hold life in the same way that earth can. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we've got spots for two people, you and whoever you would like, um, you know, for you. So if you want it, you can come get in at this point. You know, uh, Dr. Mindy has pretty much accepted his fate. He's reconnected with his wife. He's with his kids. He invites uh, uh, Kate and now Yule, uh, who comes with her. They invite Dr. Oglethorpe over, and he's like, you know what? No. Like, we're done. Which uh, I also appreciate that the the casting for uh, uh, Dr. Mindy's kids uh, look like young adults like believable uh children of Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, DiCaprio. totally. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Um and oh, what, there there was uh, I lost it. <laughs> well, so when when this uh sort of revelation is is happened, you know, this is the moment where people are like like when they when the bash thing starts failing, they're in the the mission control center, and it's the president, her son, and a bunch of workers. And you know, once they've come to the realization, like this failed, and this is it, like this is the last chance. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where everyone's like, I- I'm out of here. Like one of them's like, I've got, to, I'm gonna go see my husband. And another yeah. one's like, I have a 20 year old daughter. Like I want to go spend time with her. You know, with her. <laughs> another one's like, I'm gonna I'm do gonna do it, April. <laughs> Fucking great. Meanwhile, Yule's getting stoked about fingerling potatoes. That's what yeah. I was trying. <laughs> That was the other great line. Yeah, dude, I fucking love fingerling potatoes. Fucking love fingerling potatoes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so everybody kind of goes off, and the president runs off and gets on the spaceship. And while she's on the spaceship, you know, uh, you know, and she's calling Dr. Mindy. Dr. Mindy's like, hey, well, you know, uh, good luck to to you and Jason. And she's like, oh shit. She realizes yeah. she has left Jason behind in that mission control thing, and he's sitting there with his burka bag, uh, his thirty thousand dollar burka bag, being like she'll be right back. She'll be back. And he's the only one in this control center at this point. Mm -hmm. So she's off on her rocket ship flying, uh, flying out. Uh, Meanwhile, you know, Dr. Mindy, Dr. Oglethorpe, Kate Dibioski and all their family are having a wonderful dinner. And, you know, the earth is shaking around them. Lights are flickering and they're just talking and they're just like, Hey, like, you know, just these are the things I love and, and sort of like having their last moment, mm-hmm. um, as the, uh, world is about to, uh, end. There is also another funny, like weird thing where, um, the CEO of bash, uh, Peter is, has like this thing where he has premonitions where he can like predict how, uh, people's futures. Well, they, they, he talks about it algorithm. at one point, yeah. uh, yeah, he he's basically using it to kind of like intimidate Dr. Mindy, uh, because you know, Dr. This is where the the whole thing about uh, peer review comes in, because the tech company Bash is acting like a tech company and like move fast, break shit, rather than acting like scientists who right. actually want to get to the the truth and you know confirm their findings and whatnot. And he's he just like. Dr. Minnie asks, like, has any of this been peer-reviewed? Are you approaching this like a businessman? And Peter Isherwell is like, did you just call me a businessman? <laughs> Our algorithms know everything about you. And, like, he launches in this whole monologue about how they, they know about his health concerns before the doctor doesn't. But he's like, we even know when you're going to die or, you know, and how you're going to die. And I don't remember the details, but I remember you die alone, which we later see is 
you know, not the case, which I love. <clears throat> yep. But uh, the the president asked him about that algorithm. She's like, yeah, I, I, I kind of want. I mean, maybe I don't, but like, I kind of want to know. And he's like, oh, well, like, you get killed by a a brana rock. We don't know what it is. <laughs> we don't know what it is, <laughs> but you're you're gonna die from one. <laughs> She's like, okay. (laughs) So off the spaceship goes, uh, the comet hits Earth, uh, and we get a whole, you know, montage of scenes of people kind of, I guess, dying in a way, but like experiencing that last sort of uh, minute of Earth. Earth, you know, this is it. It destroys all of Earth. Uh, the ship flies off, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and this is it. This is the end of the movie. Now, here's the two scenes. There is a post-credit scene, by the, or a mid-credit scene, I guess, two mid-credit scenes. So one is uh, the uh, the uh, spaceship does, in fact, land on a habitable planet and mm-hmm. outwalk all of the 2,000 uh, people that were chosen. Well, I guess 1,998 people that were chosen um, <laughs> to go to this new planet. Um, they all walk out naked. They're wandering around and they're like, oh, okay. He's like, okay, now be careful. You know, oxygen's a little higher here than at home. So like, don't take a lot of deep breaths. And, you know, the president's like, this is it, everybody. And then she starts walking up and we see a dinosaur-esque, you know, uh, I guess what a realistic dinosaur-esque creature would look like, feathers. And she's like, are these feathers? Are these scales? And she walks up to one and it eats her face off and kills her. And uh, we hear Peter say, "Well, so these are uh, these are Broncoroths, and, uh, and let's <laughs> let's not pet them and get close to them. Let's let's stay back." And you know, we see them kind of closing in on the uh, on the people, assuming that they're all going to die. Amazing. And then uh, we get one more scene where it's back on Earth uh, or what's left of Earth and some rubble clears and out uh, pops out Jason uh, Jonah Hill, <laughs> and he's like, "Mom." mom and he pulls up his phone he's like uh, all right what up guys it's your boy jason i'm the last man on earth uh you know here i am shit's pretty wild uh don't forget to like and subscribe all right i'm out and hangs up then he's like mom and wandering around the remnants of earth and thus ends our movie so should you watch this movie Yes, I think so. This was such a great movie. This was so much fun. This was such a fun movie. Completely put me on edge, but I really I really like this movie. Yeah, I would say I go into it a bit more mentally prepared than uh than I know I was. I don't know about yeah. you, I don't know about you Michael, but like uh it's going to feel a little too real. Yeah. Uh, but if if you can ride that wave, uh it's it's a very good movie, very fun. Um although I I I disagree that a comet hitting would instantly wipe out Earth. It would just it would make it make it a very bad time for those of us left and we would die slowly. Right. Uh, yeah. But, for anyone you know. not near the uh, source of impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm, it would mm-hmm. be, it would be pretty terrible. Yeah. I mean, there's a few like, listen, there's a few sciencey things that are very like subtly wrong, you know, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's so like, you know, like, you know, what are you saying? Well, like it wouldn't just, you know, we, it wouldn't be instant death. Um, but uh, you know, there's, I mean, there's so like trivial, you know, but like there's some that you just sort of have to like accept. It's it's everything else that is far too accurate that I think yeah. troubles me more than like the idea of the comet and type stuff. Like it's it's how everybody treats the news of the comet that I was like, fuck, that is what is gonna happen, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking yeah. For, like, uh yeah. that is bad. That's what threw me the most. Yeah. 
You know, whereas okay. other things like Armageddon, I'm like, I mean, that's that's not science. And how, <laughs> you know, whereas this was the exact opposite. Ever, I was like, yep, that's exactly how it's going to happen. Like, there yeah. will be a right wing campaign that being like, that's not happening, <laughs> even though you literally can see it. Oh, there's there's so much more to be said about that, but we're still fucking living through it, so we don't really need to. Um, but yeah, that's it. It is entirely too real, like on all sides, how people would react to this, uh, and how the media would play it, how politicians would spin it, yep. uh, and how like how like oddly divided people would be about whether or not we were going to die. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I gotta, I gotta, you know, big ups to to the annihilistic uh, millennials and younger. Um, I appreciate you guys just sort of going with it, you know, oh, just yeah. being like, "Hey, it's the end of the world, man. Let's just fucking get high and skateboard, That's... and have organic salmon instead of farm <laughs> farm yeah, you, gotta, you gotta have that wild caught shit, man. You the can, wild you can see this other stuff just looks fake. <laughs> see, like why you when you compare them, you know, <laughs> and eat your fingerling potatoes. Fuck yeah, uh, fingerling so there potatoes. you have it. So this is this is episode one of uh, 2023. So Caleb, welcome to 2023. Uh, you skipped a year, 2022. I, I would like to skip 2022, but I yeah. don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. So welcome to 2022. <laughs> this is a time travel month. Surprise! Yep. Uh, surprise! <laughs> uh, but we're actually going to do a whole month of apocalypse theme movies because you know why not. Uh, so there it is. So, you know, ke- uh, keep your eyes over to the Nahoit.com where you guys can see that. And of course, hit us up on the Nahoit podcast, uh, on both, uh, Twitter and, in, uh, Twitter and Instagram where you can check out, you know, uh, chat with us, you know, clips to other movies, whatever, whatever you need to do, whatever social media does for you do it with us over on, uh, those socials. And of course, if you have not hit that, uh, subscribe button, don't forget to like, and subscribe. Yeah. Um, uh, and- this, this is your boy. And you know what? If you're feeling anxious about the science, reach out to us and we'll reassure you that the science should be trusted. It should be trusted. (laughs) So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. Hopefully. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.